those great deen by Ahlullah, Awliya, Siddiqeen, Sadiqeen, they were those people that skin, to purifying their heart and disciplining their nafs and helping other people and disciplining their nafs. Now the strange thing is that in history, as we go further in history, as more and more time passes, and less and less people who are truly able to guide others on the path of Tazkiyah. And so strange that over 900 years ago, Imam al-Ghazali, he wrote that it's so rare to find a Kamal Sheikh, it's more rare than red sulfur. And Sidi Sheikh Ahmad Zarruq al-Shadali, he wrote also many hundred years ago that there are no Kamil Mashaikh left anymore. Now, at the same time, we are still ordered by Allah SWT in the Qur'an, Kunu that we must be with the truthful ones. And even more in this time, do we need Tazkiyah? Because we live in a day and age when there's so much fitna, so much shar, so much fasad, so many opportunities to do sin. So many temptations to do sin. And the sins pertaining to women and the sins pertaining to money. Now, That means that with the increased temptation to sin, with the greater, with the more opportunities to sin, the vast majority of people fall into sin. And the only way we can save ourselves is Tazkiya. Tazkiya is that branch of deen that helps the person remember Allah Ta'ala, see Allah Ta'ala, zikr of Allah Ta'ala, taqwa, and stop they're not from committing the sin. And because this is such a critical thing, because Tazkiyah itself, not the Sawwuf, not Tariqat, not Shaykh, but Tazkiyah itself is followed on every believer. That successful only will be that person who purifies their nafs. Anybody whose nafs is impure, that impurity will sooner or later make them do sin, and sin is haram. So to stay away from haram is fard, to stay away from that which is prohibited, that which is prohibited by Allah and the deen, that itself is an obligation on each and every individual believer. What in the language of the Jairus, Fukaha, is called Sarda'ayn. Individually obligatory in every single believer. Now, given that it's fun and that it's more difficult and that we need help, 
So it would be a natural thing for everyone to turn more and more to the guides of Daskia. But then I just said a couple of minutes ago, earlier, that there's so few guides of Daskia. And I can tell you also, from having stumbled on this path, that it's not easy to guide a person on Daskia. It's a very big responsibility. It's a very difficult task. You know, you can imagine... Like if there's a doctor and there's a patient who comes in front of them. And sometimes it's very easy. You just give them one injection. That's it. Like one minute, two minutes, maybe 30 second process. Sometimes there's a doctor comes in. Very complicated. Clean. Even when they run diagnostics and tests and lab. All types of things. It's 100% clear what exactly problem the person has. Then sometimes the patient has difficulty expressing them not really say. You know, some people may even experience this, so they go to a doctor and they say, oh, doctor, I'm having pain in my stomach. The doctor says, okay, is it pain in your left side or your right side? And the patient says, I don't know, it's my stomach. Okay, is it pinning you above or below? I don't know, it's my stomach. So it's okay, I'm going to press you here, and you let me feel your pain. And the doctor presses the person, and the pressing, there's no single press that causes any additional pain. It doesn't yell or cry out in any press. I'm now in a strange situation, but the patient is saying, I have pain in my stomach. So sometimes the patient can't express themselves because they themselves don't understand is it left or right, is it appendix, hernia, kidney. They don't know. They're just feeling the pain generally in their stomach, their abdomen, their chest, generally. They can't explain it. Then imagine that, okay, then the doctor begins some line of treatment, some course of treatment that has some success, but some symptoms and illnesses still remain. Then again, diagnostics are run. Then again, some other treatment is selected. That again has some partial success, but then again, some illness and symptoms remain. Then a new illness crops up along the way, which is totally unrelated to the first one. A new illness altogether. You know, I'll give you to even illustrate the example more deeply. An illness that sometimes behaves like this is called cancer. Now, I'll protect each and every one of us from that illness. And now it's a grand shifa, true, absolute, complete shifa to anyone who has that illness. But cancer is like that. It, you treat it, it seems to go away, it pops up at another place, a different kind of cancer, it morphs, it metastasizes. Even the language they use is, is terrifying. Metastasize or metastasize, Allah, what the proper word is. It, it's terrifying. And that's what happens. That doctor, the first patient was gone in two minutes with the injection. Gone, done, cured, healed. And the second patient is ongoing treatment, appointment after appointment, week after week. It can go on for years. Hmm? Now, this is the real problem with us spiritually, is that our disease isn't just so simple that it requires just a single injection. 
most of these very layered, very hidden. You start curing one. Somebody starts curing their lust, their anger pops, their anger, their pride pops up. They cure their pride, their greed pops up. Hmm? And I just told you the doctors aren't as skilled as available anymore. And now all the people So what's that going to lead? It leads to situations. It leads sometimes to situations where there's failure. Yes, there are failures in this path of this game. There are doctors who sometimes we fail to cure the patient. There are patients who sometimes fail to get cured. There are illnesses who stubbornly resist to be cured. And this is the current condition of the Ummah that they have right now. Many people may not even have a doctor for Tuskegee. Many of us doctors are overworked, overstretched, or not as skilled as people may think we are. And there's so, but even most, perhaps most important, is that the illnesses and the sicknesses are deeper than even the patient and doctor can realize, or deeper than even the patient and doctor can cure. Allah Akbar situation. Achieve situation. Hmm? If anybody, and if, if if we were talking about that parallel world of physical healing, people would sit down, the experts would literally sit down and have a conference or have a meeting, have a seminar, and talk about this crisis. That there are all types of new illnesses. We're not able to keep up pace with it. We're not able to treat it. We tried to bring more doctors in in order to treat all these different illnesses. Maybe sometimes we even compromise a little bit on the standards to qualify a doctor, but we did it with good intention, and we would have a larger medical workforce to treat the illnesses. But we're not able to cure the illnesses. The patients aren't listening to us. The patients don't serve the prescriptions. The patients don't take the medicine. The patients don't make use of the precautions. Some of the doctors themselves are falling sick. Allah Akbar, you would say this is a complete crisis. We're in a complete crisis, healthcare crisis. There's epidemic, there's pandemic, there's disease. Allah Akbar. But they would sit together. They would work together. They wouldn't have any differences of who's white or who's black, or who's Indian or who's Arab, or who's Pakistani or who's Malaysian. No, they'd be more worried about this crisis of healthcare crisis in the people, the crisis in the community, the crisis in humanity. The people are suffering from sicknesses and illnesses. They would put aside all of their grudges and grievances. They would put aside all of the maybe personal things they know about one another because they would be more worried about the primary mission and objective of their life, which is to be healers and to help others, to heal others, to cure others. And maybe if they did all of that, and they truly sat, and they brainstormed, and they cried. And from our Islamic perspective, if they were all mu'minun doctors, they made du'a to Allah they made istighfar, they made doba, they begged Allah Ta'ala to guide them. Then we would say, yes, Allah Ta'ala would guide them to some way out of this crisis situation, a way where the people could get cured, 
way the doctors could become better, the patients could become geared better, the system of healthcare could be made better. Allah Ta'ala would guide them. We would have yakin. Our deen teachers have had that yakin. They, they really had ikhlas and they really had sidq and they really, really dedicated their heart and mind and body and soul to it. Allah Ta'ala would guide them al-habi. He would guide them to a way. But if they don't put everything aside, if they don't dedicate their mind, body, heart and soul to it, if they don't try to rid themselves of their own illnesses, if they don't make an effort, then they would be stuck and the healthcare crisis would not be resolved. And maybe not all the blame would come on the doctors, no doubt. Like I said, the patients themselves don't take the medicine, don't, don't fill the prescription, don't take the precautions, don't follow the guidance. But to some extent, some level of blame would come on the doctors also, that they didn't try their best and they didn't do their best. And that's our condition exactly right now in the area of Tuskegee and Tussauds. No doubt there are individual Messiahs and Oli on this world who definitely try their best. There's definitely going to be individual Messiahs and Oliya who do their best. There are definitely individual Messiahs and Oliya who are true Muttaqeen, true Oliya, truly, Alhamdulillah, and only with the Qalam and Fazl of Allah, that they are free and safe from sin. That larger group effort is not there. That group sticker is not there. That putting aside the grievances and the grudges and the rivalries and the jealousies and the differences and the differences in personality and methodology and sitting down and really trying to figure out what, how to cure all these spiritual diseases. Lust is rampant. Anger is widespread. Greed is like a rot. It is affecting people to the core, corrupting people, lust for money, pursuit of money, destroying families, destroying brother and brother, destroying parent and child, destroying Sharia, destroying all students of Sharia, breaking inheritance laws, breaking contract laws, breaking trade laws, breaking all types of laws, all particular, and envies and jealousies and rivalries an inability to forgive, an ability to go past shortcomings, and arrogance and pride. All of these things are so widespread. And another problem is lack of courage to stand up for Sharia, lack of courage to speak out the truth, lack of courage to do nahin and mantra. So imagine doctors just sweeping all the patient's problems under the carpet. Siji? You know, you can't. You have to address these problems. You have to address these matters. Unless you address the problems and matters, nothing will get resolved. But what we have in our own is a large majority who want to sweep everything under the carpet, cover everything up, deny everything, believe in conspiracy theories. And this is so rampant in the Muslim world about anything and everything. Everything, there's someone else to blame. If there's a problem with poverty in the Muslim world, it's somebody else to blame. It's the Jews, or it's finance, or it's global banking, or it's someone, all these pointing fingers. I know it's our own condition. It's our own lack of amal. Or because we are not ourselves following the Hidayat, there's no one more to blame for our condition than our own self. And that's it. Yes, there may be many secondary factors. 
But you have to fix the primary factor first. First things first. And this is the same problem that we have in the field of Tazkiyah. The primary reason is our own nafs. That's it. Our own nafs. Yes, people might say secondary factors, or I live in a non-Muslim country, or I'm surrounded by a Muhammad work. These are all secondary factors. Primary factor is your nafs. In the name of Allah, Allah sponsors us that he died in our deen with this process called Tafkir al nafs. So there's a way to tackle this nafs. There's a way to purify this nafs. Yes, person may not succeed. If we're Mukallif, we're only responsible to try. The response says, I'm going to lie, you can listen to the nafs is illa this aha. Allah SWT has not made any human being responsible for something that's beyond their wisa, beyond their ability, beyond their breath, beyond their capability. So we are only responsible for what we're able to do. Now, every person is ultimately obviously able to succeed because being is a mission that we have to finally succeed on in Sanatana. But immediately, initially, we may not be able to succeed in time. Immediately, initially, we might try, and our efforts and our sincerity might be partial, and due to that, we will get partial success, and the rest will be failed. At least we tried. At least we got that partial success. At least instead of doing ten things, we get three things. This is such a very important first step. And this first step is in this, it doesn't mean by step that it takes a moment or a minute or an hour or a day. This first step of person can spend years on this first step. Years means that at least I reduce certain sins. At least I eliminate some sin. At least I partially do my purification. At least I become somewhat better. At least to some extent and some way and some meaning. I mean, some taqwa, some feelings in my heart. So that's the beginning. And like I said, the beginning can last years. And in fact, one should never let go of this, this struggle and this attempt. You know, when a person begins on this journey, it's death gear many times we see and observe in people. And even we feel it in ourselves and we feel it about others also. Is that in the early stages of embarking on the path, path to becoming closer to the spiritual path to purification, a person has a certain passion, and that passion can sometimes make them blind. They're blind to everything. They might become blind to the kuf of the ball and just be doing so much about that. And we found this in some hadith about some sahabah and then the Nabi Karim says, "If you go tell them when their spouse, talk to him." That what will the nafsika alayka hakkun? That your body has a right on you. Will the ahlika alayka hakkun? And your family has rights over you. But in the beginning, as yes, a person might enter such a passionate state that they might neglect their own rights, that their physical body in terms of rest and etc. has on them, neglect the rights that their family has on them in terms of time, in terms of emotional support, in terms of Many things that are part of the family relationship. But 
what happens is that when a person takes an overly passionate neglectful path and neglecting everything from being, initially they might feel a lot of gain, but those gains won't be sustainable. They won't be able to maintain those gains. Over time, their lapses in the Hukulabab will catch up to them. And over time, those lapses in the Hukulabab can even, this is a deep way of Alaskantama, those lapses in the Hukulabab can even negate their gains in Hukulabab. So they might actually be making some zikr of Alaskantama, but if they're betraying their spouse or they're untrue to their children or they're disobedient or hurtful to their parents, those lapses in the Hukulabab can completely undo. If Allah chooses to take a person's task for it, it can completely undo any and all gains made in Hukulabab in terms of the Ibadah, Tanawah, Dhrushriv, Kitna, Talat, Ilm, all of it. It's up to Allah SWT. At any point, Allah SWT, with any one of us, that I take every point on the in some aspect being Allah Hadim, that is not taking to us the task immediately, anything that we have. He's being a Sattar, he's concealing some that we have. He's being Allah Hassar, he's forgiving some that we truly beg to forgive us for. He's being a Tawab, he's turning to us in acceptance once we have turned in Tawab to him. He's Allah Adim, he still knows all the sinful memories the longings and sinful desires and sinful thoughts and sinful dreams that we have. He's Al-Basir, he's intimately watching us. He's Al-Khabir, he's completely aware of us. All of these things are happening simultaneously. All of these things. On the one hand, Allah is concealing some sin. On the other hand, Allah is forgiving some of our sins. On the other hand, Allah is Al-Halim, he is Bardashtani, he is uh, tolerating, tolerating our sins, not accepting that we are sinners. He's not immediately punishing us for it. He's delaying, he's defraying the punishment. He's al-halim. It's his verse, his ufa, his uh, ability and capacity to, to wait and to forgive that his mercy is halib and his anger. All of us exist in that state. And the problem is that the question is, which one are we going to be more conscious of? Are we going to be more conscious of the fact that Allah Allah al-Hareem and that there's sins that I've done, I haven't made double for them, and I'm still doing them, but Allah Allah is somehow tolerating me, or they're going to feel more that Allah Allah is Sadaa He's covered and concealed those sins from other people. Or, in an entirely different way, would they not rather focus on that love of Allah Rafaad and therefore they have to seek forgiveness? There is At-Tawab that they have to make true Tawbah. There is Al-Hadi that he can, he can guide them to make amends and to fix the situation no matter how crazy the situation may have become or how unfixable it appears. Which aspect of Allah Subhanahu which one of his attributes, and which one of his sifat, his, his attributes, his, his manners of dealing with us, which one are we turning to? 
And sometimes it just gets out from the planet. So that the successful Nikasya or do they end up in complete delusion and ultimately lost? Like for example, if a person sins and all the time they're sinning, they think that Allah Dhamma is Asaptas. Now they haven't even asked about forgiveness for Allah Fad. They haven't thought about him as being Allah Fad. They haven't looked about, they haven't turned to Allah Dhamma, they haven't thought about his turning to them, him being a Fad. No. They're just thinking that Allah Fad is Asaptas and he can cover my son. Yes? We can put a lid on the cancer, but the question is that ultimately the cancer will kiss up with you. You have to remove the cancer. You have to remove the illness. We can conceal and hide many things in life. And if we're doing that temporarily to fix them or as a cure, then also fine. But if we don't make that toga to the small tabba, we don't have that figure for Tuskia. We don't have a greater effort among and between Mashaif as well as on the behalf of individual Mashaif to help people and guide people more. If we don't have a greater effort in individual Mashaif, then we should try to also do our own Tuskia more. But if we don't have a greater effort on the part of the patients, on the part of the seekers on this path, that they must follow the prescription and take all the precautions more. Without that effort, we are headed into a very, very dangerous situation. Where people will be left prey to their nafs. People will be left prey to the whispering of shaitan. People will be allured and attracted by anything and everything that dunya has to offer. Whether that is beauty, whether that is prosperity, whether that is celebrity. They will be attracted to that. And we will fall. We will fall as individuals. And what Allah says us, and what Allah guides us, we will follow the families, we will follow the families. Now is the time that all ulama and mushayf, now is the time that all of Ahmad and Naf, that has the basic level of deen in their life, that all of the devout, and I stay in my fidelity that are haram. And this is the time for the people now to unite, but for the people to talk out the past and time of Tokyo's for the future of their own students, for the future of others, but this is that time. This is the time of Sitnah, of the time to the Ahlul Law and Ahlul Deen. And we're trying to make the Nasratum of the Deen, Nasratum of the Deen, now the way we made the Lord from the Santana, the Ahlul Dallas, the Christian path. Out of those people upon you and spend your blessings that we can make turn to Allah Sallallahu and beg Allah Taala that He send His blessings on people, He guides to those blessed people, that He preserves those blessed people, that He safeguards those blessed people, that Allah Sallallahu forgive each and every one of our sins, He gives us tawfiq to make true tawbah, He gives us tawfiq to make true tawbah, any and all sins we may have done. And that we ask that Muslims are only to make amends to all the people of God. May He put wisdom in our hearts. May He put wisdom in our mind. May He put patience in our speech. May He put patience in our character. May He grant us a heart to be patient. And Muslims are not going to especially the Father. And anyone and everyone who is standing from this, this year in this difficult time, 
whoever the source may be, whatever the background may be, if they ever in their lives even want the niyyah that they want to become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and make sure that honor that one niyyah of theirs, that one moment of theirs, that one amal of theirs, and Allah ta'ala and his shafiq yuliyah, and the honor and grace of his accepting nature, that Allah subhanahu wa accept all of the efforts of all of the teachings and the tafiyah, and may he make us an ummah of tafiyah, an ummah of purification, an ummah of tahara, an ummah of purity, once again, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and alhamdulillahi, alhamdulillahi, alhamdulillahi.